we start many of the hymns of the church with the word today. And it's a strange thing because many people would say, well, why on earth are you talking about today? Because almost always when we say today, we're referring to something that happened a jillion and a half years ago. As a matter of fact, today we are, we are considering something, we're celebrating something that historically took place a couple of thousand years ago, but in a great mystery, it's happening today. For us, it is a today. It isn't that we look back on some historical event and say, my, oh my, wasn't that nice. It's nice that something like that happened. Well, that is, that is true. But today, you and I are celebrating the Annunciation, the coming of the angel Gabriel to announce to the Virgin Mary, a teenager, to announce to her that she is going to bear a son who is God in the flesh. This is incredible. The difference between the historical event that is, as far as we know, historically speaking, the angel Gabriel came to the Virgin Mary and it is a private conversation. But today, for us, we're attending the Annunciation, and it isn't just the angel Gabriel and the Virgin Mary. We're there, too. We get to, we get to experience it in a way that, for example, Peter, Paul, James, and John didn't, or Elizabeth and Zachariah, or anybody, for that matter, who was a contemporary. They weren't there. Today, we are there. You say, okay, how do we get there today? In a great mystery in the mystery of liturgy and sacrament. It's as if no time exists. It's as if we could just step out of time like within one small step. We step out of time, and it isn't that we step into eternity so much, it's just that we step out of time and it can experience everything in what you might want to call a now. So the 2,000 years that lapsed since the historical event just gets bypassed, and we get to be there. So today, today, we are present right now in this divine liturgy, divine liturgy, we are present for the Annunciation by the angel Gabriel, the announcement that she is going to bear a son who is God. Now listen, incredibly significant. It is not possible for us to imagine ourselves as God. It's impossible. How can you? How can you imagine that you're eternal? Even beyond eternal, because we don't just confess that God is eternal. We confess that he is beyond eternal. He's more than that. Anything that we, any statement we can make about him, immediately we turn around and say, but he isn't exactly that. He's more than that. He isn't just love, he's beyond love. Anytime we make a declarative statement, we're going to follow it with another statement that sort of gives a caveat, a warning, says, well, be careful, because he's really more than that. But let's just say, you have been God from all the ages, before the foundation of the world, forever. It's just been you and your Father and the Holy Spirit. It's just been you and this 
this symphony of love that goes on between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then creation comes and the Holy Trinity is involved, all three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at a point in creation, as it were, men is formed out of the dust of the ground. And we have man on the face of the earth and God has a plan, and his plan is that this man, this human being that he has created, is ultimately going to be like him. He's going to be divinized. But a problem arises. Because man is created in the image of God, he has to have a free will. And since we have a will, we can exercise that will. And the will got exercised the wrong way, and man fell. Now, here is the ultimate of your creation, humanity, mankind. Here's the ultimate of creation. And with this incredible plan you have, and now he's trashed himself in the ground. And you've been God forever. What do you do? How do you follow up? being God. How do you follow that up? Well, you don't, do you? It's impossible to be anything beyond being God. So what God the Son does, and in the council of the all-holy trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the divine council, they have, as it were, they have a meeting. Okay, they didn't have a meeting, but as it were, they have a meeting. And the way they are going to solve the problem of this creature that they created the way they are going to solve it is God, the Son, is going to step out of heaven. He is going to come to the earth, and he forever is going to become a man. He is going to be eternally God, fully possessing the nature of the Father, and he is going to be now eternally a human being, subject to what it is to be human. One person in two very distinct natures. When is that going to happen? There's only one answer, folks. Today. There's one answer. It's today. It happens today. Let me take the Traparian, the, the hymn, the hymn of today, the, the Traparian. It's a theme hymn. It tells us what the today is about. Now, I don't know. I didn't count last night how many times we sang it at Vespers. I did not count how many times we sang it at Matins. I think we've done it, what, three so far today? I'm not in this, in this service. Today is the beginning of our salvation. The beginning. Today is the beginning of our salvation. The revelation of the eternal mystery. The Son of God becomes the Son of the Virgin. Gabriel announces the coming of grace. Together, let us cry to the Theotokos, the mother of God, the God-bearer. Let us cry to her. Rejoice, O full of grace. The Lord is with you. Isn't that the logical response? Isn't that what we would want to do? What we want to cry out, rejoice. Very often we think, well, we're just saying this, you know, rejoice, O Virgin Theotokos, full of grace, the Lord is with you, and so on. We're not just crying rejoice for her. We're crying rejoice for us because it's our salvation. It's not simply her salvation. It's for our salvation that this is taking place. 
how incredibly significant that this is. Okay, with that in mind, just a couple of things. At the Akathis, we would do this twice, this particular thing that I'm going to read to, to you today. We'd do it twice. And then it was done in Matins this morning. The uh, part of one of the Stasis of the Akathist was done in Matins this morning. And this is really interesting because we do something in the church that's very, very unique. Now, in the Bible, we read the text of, you know, many things. And we read, it was read, the, the gospel that Deacon Tom read this morning. We read the story. But you know that more occurs than what gets said. So what is, what this hymn, or what we're doing in this, uh, that I'm going to read to you and make a few comments on, we're going to look at this from a very, very heavenly perspective. And so here's how it goes. An angel chieftain, there he is right there, one of the chiefs of the angels. An angel chieftain was sent from heaven to say, Hail! He's sent from heaven to say, Hail! unto the Theotokos. I mean, really, in, in 21st century vocabulary, he is sent to say, Good morning! Because that's how they said good morning. They said, hail, okay, you know, you find it in the New Testament a number of times. Hail unto the Theotokos, and beholding thee, O Lord. Now, this is the angel, and beholding thee, O Lord. Whoa, it's incredible. Oh, what a mystery. Now, he says hello to the Theotokos, says hello, and here is what he sees. He sees you, O Lord. You with my hands and where I'm going? He sees you, O Lord, taking bodily form. He stood in rapt wonder, and with bodiless voice, he cried aloud to her in this way. In other words, because Gabriel is this incredible archangel, he says hello to Mary, but he sees what's really happening. He sees the Lord taking form in her womb. That's what he sees. Whoa, that's pretty big stuff. This is what's going on with Gabriel. So what you're hearing today in this homily is how the church has viewed what would take place in, in Gabriel, the archangel, as he sees the Son of God taking the form, a human form, in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Now, you've got to admit that's a big deal because he actually sees conception taking place. Now, by the way, this is very important. This is somewhat incidental to the homily, but it's not incidental to the, to the 21st century. He sees the Son of God taking form. He sees the person of the Son. If Mary had had an abortion, would she have aborted only a fetus or would she have aborted a person? Which is why the church takes the stand we do. We understand there is a person at conception, not at birth. You got that for free. Okay. Now, the angel Gabriel watching this person the second person of the Holy Trinity, watching this person taking form, it just, just conceived 
He sees it. What a mystery. Here's what he says. This is the hymnographer writing in the church for centuries has agreed with this. Hail thou through whom joy shall shine forth. Many times we need to work with our pronouns. Now, not what is joy in this case, but who is joy? Who is joy? Jesus is joy. This is what he's saying. Hail thou through whom joy shall shine forth. Hail thou through whom the curse shall be destroyed. You say, does Gabriel have a, does he have a grasp of this? Well, of course. He's an archangel. He understands things. He understands things we don't understand. As he sees this conception occur, he sees that the curse that has fallen upon humankind, he sees that this is going to be destroyed. Not just, not just sort of fixed. Destroyed. Okay. Hail thou restoration of Adam. Whoa. Who is it? Now be careful. There's, oh, I'm going to answer this. Don't you answer it. Who is it that restores fallen Adam? There's two answers. Two answers to who restores fallen Adam. Number one, Jesus. He restores fallen Adam. But to restore fallen Adam, he has got to take to himself a human nature. And so, who restores fallen Adam? Mary restores fallen Adam. She cooperates with God. She participates. She cooperates to restore fallen Adam. That's why, for one reason, we sing, today is the beginning of our salvation. Does it make sense to you yet? That today is the beginning of our salvation. Because today, for the first instant, now God become flesh is here to restore fallen Adam. And without that happening, there is no salvation. So today is the beginning of our salvation. Well, the angel's not through yet. Hail thou redemption of the tears of Eve. Oh, my goodness. What, what do you think went into through Eve's mind or Adam's mind? What do you think went through the mind of these when after this pristine life that they had lived for who knows how long, after this pristine life, who knows the tears that they wept out Outside of the garden, outside, can you imagine what it would be like to have lived in paradise? And now you got to work with your fingers with the ground against you. Because not only was there a curse on humankind, but there was a curse on the earth. Even the earth fell. And now the tears of Eve. You know, mothers just cry more than fathers in most cases. But can't you imagine the tears of Eve? Hail thou height untried by human minds. A very poetic way to say no one ever imagined anything like this before. Who could imagine that the almighty, eternal, everlasting God would take to himself humanity? in the womb of a woman. 
Who would imagine it? Whoever thought anything that high? Or, hail thou depth, hard to scan, even for angels' eyes. It's as if Gabriel is scratching his bodiless head and says, even I can't fathom this. Too deep. It's too deep of a mystery. I can't get it, but I see it happening right before my eyes. Hail thou that art a kingly throne that upholds the upholder of all. Now, where do kings sit? You tell me. Answer me out loud. Where do kings sit? Oh, come on. Where do kings sit? They sit on thrones. Well, if Jesus is king and he's in the womb of Mary, where is his throne? Or more accurately, who is his throne? Well, she's his throne. God has chosen to sit upon, as it were, her as a throne. What a great mystery. And then people say, oh, you know, she's just another woman. Any old 15, and then Matt and say, you know, said she was, she just turned 15. I don't know, maybe that's okay. 15, 16, 17, it couldn't be more than that. And uh, she becomes the throne of the living God. Okay, not only that, this, isn't, this, this just blows my mind. She is the upholder. She's holding him in her womb. She's holding him. She upholds the upholder of all things. Because while he is in her womb, according to St. Paul, he is still upholding the entire universe as God. And she is upholding him. What a mystery. The upholder of all things being upheld by a teenage girl. Amazing. Well, lastly, hail thou through whom creation is renewed because she bears the new Adam. She bears the new man. She bears him who is the upholder of all things, the renewer of all things. She is the one through whom creation itself is renewed. Hail thou through whom the creator becomes a babe. Do you think today is worthy of a celebration? Is it worthy to celebrate this incredible mystery? That, frankly, the reason we struggle with it so much, and don't punish yourself if you struggle with it, is because no one's ever thought anything this high, and no one has ever plunged to anything below to scan it. It's just beyond comprehension. But this is what's happening. So, for the rest of this divine liturgy, let us celebrate and say, Hail thou who bore the Son of Righteousness, and let us celebrate his coming in the womb of the Virgin Mary.